John 5, verse 31 to 47 says this, If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think in them that you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. That you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Let's pray. God, we do thank you for your scripture and for its faithfulness to testify to you, to who you are, into your plan in this world. God, we thank you for its faithfulness to testify to our brokenness and our need of you to save us and you alone. God, we thank you for this text this morning. We pray that you would be honored in its preaching. May your Holy Spirit guide every word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus is talking today uh, about witnesses. And contextually, he, is, he has just uh, healed the man that, uh, that was lame at the, at the pool, the invalid at the, at the uh, pool of Beth- Bethesda. Um, and in response to that, uh, the Jews have come to him and accused him of doing uh, these works, these miracles on the Sabbath day. And in response, Jesus has said, um, my father has been working from creation and I too am working. This statement, it is understood uh, from the text that the Jews took this as him equating himself with God, that Jesus himself was equal to God. And so in response to their accusations uh, uh, about him basically equating himself to God, he has uh, given a, a very long response here in chapter 5. 
And so we're on the second half of his response here where he is now talking about the witnesses that have borne witness to him saying that he is equal with God and that what he says is in fact true. So we see a number of witnesses throughout this and we'll go through each, uh, each of those uh, briefly this morning. But the fact is there are a number of things. We don't really think about this all that often until we come up upon the event and uh, you get that paper or whatever it is and it says, oh, this paper needs a notary to be present in the signing of it, right? Or even like, you know, when you sign your marriage certificate, there's got to be some witnesses that sign on that, that say, yeah, these two people, they, they committed to one another under, these, under this uh, certificate of marriage, right? When you uh, purchase a house, there has to be witnesses there to the terms of the agreement. And if they're not there, then it's, it's uh, invalid. We don't think about it all that often day to day, but when we come to very important uh, subjects, it, it is a, a fact and a reality in our life that witnesses come to bear on the things that we do. And so uh, Jesus here is saying, uh, is responding to them and saying, listen, I've even got witnesses that speak on my behalf. He starts out uh, in verses 31 and 32 of chapter 5, um, saying, If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. He says, listen, you, you're saying to me that I, I can't testify on my own behalf to make it true, to make it true before you. So he, so he says, okay, let me give you some people and some things that have testified unto me. And he gives a, a number of them. At first, he starts off, though, by saying, there is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. Who is that? It's his father. As he's just gone through in the previous passage of verses 1 to 30, he has discussed the unity with which he has, is, is acting with the father. All of his actions, all of his words are in complete unison with the Father. He, in fact, started uh, that, uh, that passage out saying this, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. And so what he's saying here in verse 30, uh, 32 is that this other that bears witness about me is the Father. As I bear witness, as I speak, as I act in the world, I am actually bearing witness of the Father. The Father is bearing witness of me. So he sets that up as, as a first uh, witness, the one who bears witness about him. But then he jumps into those that they're going to accept as, as maybe more prominent witnesses for him. And the first is John. In verses 33 to 36, he says this, You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you might be saved. Listen, I'm going to acknowledge that John testified about me, okay, so that you will see the progression of God's work at, at hand. The testimony of John is that there is a greater one coming after John, 
after John. John was there to point forward to one in his words whom he was unworthy to untie the sandal of. That being the Messiah. He understood himself to be a forerunner of the Messiah. That was his testimony. And why invoke John here? John is one of the most respected figures among them and the day. Many came out to John to be baptized. Many came out to John to hear him speak. He had throngs of people leaving out of Jerusalem and going out into the wilderness to be baptized by him. He was well followed and well respected. So much so that Jesus invokes him later saying, was John from heaven or was he from man? Why can't they answer? If they answer that he is uh, not from heaven, they will be run out of town by the people that respected John so much. John is the best human that could testify of Jesus coming. He says, you sent to John and he's borne witness to the truth. That is, the one coming after me is the Messiah. He was a burning and shining lamp and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light, right? You, you received the, the joy of his ministry and the, the people that came back to uh, a, a righteous walk through his ministry. You rejoiced in that for a time. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works I'm doing, they bear witness. They bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. So not only does John point forward to a greater one, that being Jesus, the works that Jesus is now doing, they themselves bear witness to what Jesus is doing. While John spoke boldly and called many unto repentance, Jesus is uh, moving in and among them. He is healing the lame. He is changing water to wine. Uh, he is healing, uh, healing a, a young man who is on his deathbed from afar without even being in his presence. Uh, these things that Jesus is doing and that are testified about Jesus doing, these things testify to the power that is at hand in Jesus that he is more than just a man. Jesus says, these works that I do in verse 36 be, these works I am doing, they even bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Verses 37 and 38, he brings forth another witness. And the Father who sent me, he himself has borne witness about me. The Father has borne witness about me. In this, he, he speaks pretty harshly to them. He says, you haven't heard the voice of the Father. You haven't seen the form of him. And you do not have his word abiding in you. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. 
as I was reading this week, uh, a man equated these three indictments to uh, a number of people who had heard the voice, who had seen the form, who had, in fact, had the word abiding in them. He's telling these in particular that you have not perceived what the Father is and has been doing in his people. Who has heard the voice of the Lord? Moses. Moses heard the voice on the mountain. He recorded the very words of God. Who has seen the form? Jacob wrestled with God. Wrestled with God. Saw him face to face, it is said. Who has the word abiding in him? Joshua, David. It is said that they have abide in the word of God. They might not sin against the Lord. Is it possible to see his face? Is it possible to hear his voice? Is it possible to abide in his word? These things were available to them to abide in what the Father is doing, what the Father is speaking in and through his people. He says, you have not heard his voice. You have not seen his form. You do not have his word abiding in you. Building on the final of those indictments, he brings forth another witness, the witness of the scriptures, verses 39 and following. It says this, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. That you refuse to come to me that you may have life. This is a very easy thing for us to do. So often we fall into worshiping the thing instead of the thing's creator. <laughs> we worship the world and its beauty or the things that we've accomplished and forget that our abilities to accomplish things have come from somewhere. And that the beauty that we're looking at has been created by someone and for these that, that Jesus is speaking to, these Jewish leaders, he says, you have looked at the scriptures and here in this book you say, we, we have salvation because we have. See, we've got the word of God. We've got it. It's ours. And so we have salvation. God has given us the revelation and so, so we have salvation. Jesus says, no. <laughs> you have the revelation. But you have to come in relationship with the revealer. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. But it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. These words are holy and, and they're true and they're good and they're profitable for our teaching. But, but if you lift up just words on their own and miss who gave them to you, you miss the point of the words in the first place. The words are given that we might know the one who gave them. See the problem with just looking at the words themselves is that we become legalistic. We say, well, 
This is what the words say. And so I will just follow the words. And then I'll look at the people that aren't following the words and be like, hey, you're supposed to be following these words. Because it's about these words right here. You need to follow them. All of them. In doing that, we miss the point that there is a God who is loving and gracious enough to give us these words. And say, know me. Know my character. Know my passion for you. Know my love for you. We see it so often in, uh, in the story of Israel. This people who has gone astray and yet God continues to throw his compassion upon them. Over and over and over again goes after them. I'm reminded of uh, the book of Hosea where Hosea is called to marry a prostitute. God tells him, this prophet of God, to marry the prostitute, to have children by her. And when he marries her, it turns out she continues to act in the character of a prostitute. Yet Hosea continues to love her with the compassion that God has loved him with. Continues to extend the unconditional love to her. Is undeserved. And this is to be a picture to us of the, the love of God for us who continually go astray. He continually loves and chases after us. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, but it is they that bear witness about me. Come to me that you may have eternal life. Jesus pauses for a moment and in his list of witnesses and says this, I I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Jesus is telling them. He, he is not concerned with what they think about him. He is not concerned with whether they accept uh, his witnesses that he has put forth before them or not. He's not concerned with the glory of people. He is concerned with one thing. And that one thing is doing that which the Father is doing So he concludes with his final witness. He says this, Do you not think that I will accuse you? Uh, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. I'm not here to bring accusation against you. Just as in John 3, it says uh, that Jesus was not sent into the world to condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him. 
says, There is one that does accuse you, and that one is Moses, on whom you have set your hope. It says, If you had believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Man, that's a powerful statement in itself. What he's telling them is, my words, as I am speaking to you, Jesus says, my words are equal to Moses' writings. (laughs) I mean, they were ready to kill him already. And here he is taking their, their greatest writer, the person they had on the highest pedestal in their life, and says, listen, my words that I speak to you are equal to Moses. If you would have believed Moses, you would have believed me. What do we do with this? How do, we, how do we go from this list of witnesses, the witness of John to Jesus, the witness of Jesus' works, the witness of the Father, the witness of the Scriptures, the witness of Moses himself? Believe. Believe the witness of Scripture. Believe the witness of Scripture. The witness of Scripture is this, that you would believe on the one the Father sent. Believe on Jesus. The witness of Scripture is this, that you would come not to Scripture alone, but that you would come to the one who has given Scripture, Jesus, and have life in Him. And just as Israel is accused by Moses, what is Moses' accusation against them? You are not fit to be in the presence of God. You have fallen short of what God has put forth as the standard, and you need someone to pay the debt for you. That person is Jesus. Believe on the witness of Scripture. Finally this, pray. Pray for the Holy Spirit to witness to our hearts. Pray for the Holy Spirit to witness to your heart these things. There's no getting around faith in this equation. that Jesus' death on the cross pays our debt of sin toward God is accepted by faith. It is a belief that in Jesus, God has come to save the world. So pray that the Spirit will witness to this in our hearts. For those of us who do believe, 
we know, not by the glory of any other man, not by the good deeds that we have done, we know that we're in the Father's arms, that we've been adopted as sons and daughters, not in our accomplishments, not in the glory of man, but rather by the Spirit's witness upon our heart. His seal upon our soul is what gives us confidence that if we should die today, we would be in the very presence of God. Pray that the Spirit would witness unto you of these things. Let's pray now. God, we are grateful and thankful for your revelation, for your word, for your continuing witness in the church even. Of your glory, of your majesty, of your power to save. We thank you also that you have made us for relationship with you, that you have not made us robotic, but that you have made us that we would be compelled to your glory, to your majesty, to your love, your sacrificial love. And God, we ask, we thank you that your spirit bears witness to those of us who are saved, and we ask that your spirit would bear witness in this city to those who don't know you. We pray for Clearwater. We pray for those here that are searching for purpose and meaning in life, who are searching for it in their jobs, who are searching for it in their families, in their interests, who are seeking to be satisfied in what the world offers. Lord, may they know that the world cannot satisfy, that you satisfy. Lord, we pray your spirit would bear witness to this truth, that your glory would be known in downtown Clearwater and beyond. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.